Welcome back. It's time for today's comedian. He comes from Milford, New Hampshire. Put your hands together for Greg Bogus. Hey, Arlington. Very, very excited to be here at the Steve Katzo Show. Another round of applause for the band. How about that? Ah. Oh. I'm so excited to be here in Arlington where dreams are made. I made the big trip down from New Hampshire. Yeah, and, uh, in my car, I got an AMC Pacer with a shotgun rack in the back, New Hampshire guy that I am. Uh, and uh, a little road rage incident down here in Massachusetts. Anybody with a road rage in the house? I, I see some of you familiar. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I used to have road rage back when I was a young, fit guy, and, you know, things would... I get a little dicey, I could get out of the car and run. Now that I'm an old fat guy, amazing how my temper's in check, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I got a buddy from Boston, I still visit him, Ernie Tossy, great guy, but he's got the road rage, something fierce. I get in the car with him, the veins bulging out of his head, the sweat's pouring off his brow, he's whacking me in the arm. I was like, Greg, look in the rearview mirror. This guy is two feet from my rear end. If this guy was any closer, he could examine my colon. Look at him. Like, listen, calm down. We're at the Dunkin' Donuts drive through pal. <laughs> Have a cappuccino, that should take the edge off. <laughs> so what else? Been, uh, I've been traveling around trying to get back into shape for the summer. Uh, well, now that the summer's over, I guess <laughs> next year. <laughs> but I uh, got, went to the uh, doctors, got the big checkup, gave me the good news, told them my anorexia is in remission. <laughs> so, uh, didn't really need to laugh that much, Thank folks. <laughs> uh, they tell me, Greg, wear black, it's slimming. Look at me, it's pretty much still fatting, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I've uh, tried all the different things you can imagine. I tried the Stairmaster, tried the Dealer Meal, tried the Aerobic Step Exercise. I use that to exercise for about a week. I don't use it for exercise, and I use it to get the Twinkies on top of the fridge. It's a nice... <laughs> Diet pills, if you have used the diet pills, are not exactly the most effective weight loss method. Especially if you're like me, I have a tough time swallowing pills, so if you get creative, disguise their flavor. I found wrapping on bacon was helpful. <laughs> Put them on Sundays like Jimmy's, and he's actually once tried to suck one into a cream horn. <laughs> Sorry for the visual for you folks in, Ro in Romania. And that was our new friend, Greg. Uh, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. Uh, this is Biff. And without further ado, Greg, why don't you introduce yourself to the four people at home? <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, Greg Bogus. I'm a New Hampshire-based stand-up comic, and I've been in the business for quite a few years here. Uh, started when I was in, living in Somerville, Mass., and in Boston was still kind of one of the epicenters of stand-up comedy. Not that it doesn't still produce a lot of comics, but the, the scene has become a, a significantly more... Uh, dispersed uh, throughout the country and the planet due to the internet's thing you know it's it's, it's first of all it's a, it's one degree of separation you're from some of mass the my buddy who's you know my comedy writing partner and longtime <clears throat> friend of biff who started the podcast with me he's also from somerville so there must be something nah. in the water in somerville that that makes you people funny uh, um and so somerville is that where you grew up was that home growing up no, I'm a New Hampshire boy, so I grew up in uh, Nashua. Oh, Nashua, okay. And then, yeah, and then Melford. And then, so it's funny that you say Boston used to be uh, a hub because it, you know, you know, Greg and I talked like late last week. Greg and I um, have become on on a collision course because, as I've been telling, you know, Biff and the listeners, I've been talking with the fine folks over at Mill Number Five, trying to come up with some new events and different entertainment 
um, aspects to ongoing events that they have coming out of the pandemic and how to, you know, not just, you know, get back to 2019 levels of, um, of patronage over there, but you know how they can up their game and, you know, with new rooms. And one of the things I wanted to do was maybe start a, a an open mic, a stand up open mic, because, you know, there, there aren't a lot out there. And that's when I was like, oh, well, before you do anything in comedy space, you know, I want you to talk with Greg and Greg and I had a very, I, I call Greg anticipating having a five, 10 minute introductory phone call. <laughs> I, I think, I think it was about an hour and 20 minutes. And then, you know, Greg wow. and I like, yeah, we, we got to get back. So, so I want to talk all about what you do at mill number five and stuff. I also sure. want to, you know, cause it's funny. You say it used to be the epicenter of comedy. It's so funny how many comics still come from Boston um, mm. comedy writers. You know, when you, when you see like, you know, Saturday night live where you see, you know, Seth Myers, I think half of his writing staff, like Seth Myers is, you know, from New Hampshire as well, but half his writing staff is from New England. But still to this day, so many comics shoot their specials in Boston. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the few things that I've done coming out of COVID, uh, my wife and I went to see John Mulaney a few weeks ago because he has a new routine coming out of rehab. He did like 11 nights, like 21 shows over 11 nights. My wife saw three of them. And then just two, <laughs> and then just two weeks ago, Pat Oswald kicked off his new tour. And what was great about that, Greg, I loved it. I loved it that he came out with a pad of paper and he's like, yeah, this is my first night on tour. I'm going to half apologize, but you're going to have to get used to me looking down and, and checking my notes. And it's like people, because basically if it's funny here, if you can get, if you can get a Boston crowd behind you, you're going to be fine. You know, you're going to yeah. be fine. Yeah. It's a very good breeding ground. It, it, ha it tends to have, I don't know, some of the Northeastern sensibility, which is kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, prove yourself or whatever, you know, make me laugh kind of a thing but also you know there's also a lot of good you know like uh, ball busting kind of uh uh you know day-to-day -day life you know yeah. uh uh and it's uh it's it's a very good place to learn there's been lots of like you said lots of great great performers have come out of here uh, over the years and and it's still a good place you know there's lots of colleges there's lots of uh uh clubs and things like that and it's also got a, like a, a big population center. So you can get, you know, if you start working, you can work, you know, Boston one night, Portland another night, Manchester right. another night, you know, Springfield another night. You know, there's all these big population centers right? as opposed to, you know, Montana where you're doing, you know, one gig and then driving 14 hours to the next gig and right, right. Show, showing up like it's you've made it through the Donner Pass, you know. <laughs> it's funny because... Uh, you know, you hit on an interesting point. You, you get really smart comics coming through here, you know, like the John Mulaney's and Pat Oswald, very cerebral. You know, Pat Oswald will hit you with some really. Is that what's the wrong with you, Jock? That I'm, not, I'm sorry. But on the other uh, hand, but but on the other hand, you still got, like you said, the smart ass, quick one liner. You know what I mean? It, sure. it, 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 it's funny because, you know, Biff and I play hockey. You know, we grew up in locker rooms and stuff. And it's a. Uh, Dude, if you don't, if you can't give it as good as you get, you know what I mean? You're going to get eaten alive. And it's funny because there's a couple other guys who know Boston and know that we grow up here speaking sarcasm, you know, and right. just, yeah. and it's funny because we have this really good friend, you know, I, you know, his name is Paul, the blind squirrel. 
Um, you know, that that's his nickname, a self-imposed nickname. Like, you know, one day he had a, he had a great goal and he goes, yeah, even a blind score will find a nut now and then. But it, <laughs> it's funny when somebody will give somebody like me or Biff or some of our other friends shit and you can just see it's like, oh, Oh, you don't know what you just opened up. <laughs> oh, you poor son of a bitch. You know, it's like you, you're about to be having a toe tag on you. You just brought a knife to a gunfight. But so, so yeah, welcome it, to the Thunderdome. <laughs> so, 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 Greg, why don't you give me the or give us the, 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 the elevator pitch slash, you know, first, first two paragraphs of your Wikipedia page or your uh, obituary to be someday. Why, why don't you get why don't you give us your life in comedy? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we started in the early 90s and I, uh, you know, pretty quickly uh, did well. I was a little bit older. I was like 28 or 27, 28. So a little bit older. So I wasn't quite a young, stupid punk. Um, and uh, and I was just, uh, I was just like quitting drinking for the second time. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, aware of what was going on and wasn't blacking out or anything like that. So, um, and so in kind of like, like, like that was that after the, the big boom and kind of the dip and then, um, and so, you know, there was still a lot of the, a lot of the guys that I grew up watching the Don Gavins, the Steve Sweeney's um, in the Boston area. And then there was all these uh, newer guys that were already kind of, uh, you know, pushing out into LA. I think Bob Marley had gone out to LA, Sue Costello, um, Patrice O'Neill, I think, went to New York. Um, Bill Burr, Robert Kelly, a bunch of those comics. Um, Janine Graffalo, Louis C.K. were already kind of moving out of Boston into, you know, and becoming like the I don't know, like the, the next round of of legendary comics out of Boston. And and so so kind of I had watched them go, and I and I became you know I was on the rubber chicken circuit, working for you know Dick Doherty at you know Barnstormers in Portsmouth and all that. And then, uh, and so I was developing pretty good because Dick Doherty had a ton of room. So you'd work for him and you'd get, you know, a Friday, Saturday, you know, you know, like three uh, weekends out of the month. So you got plenty of work. Uh, and then early on, uh, I had a buddy uh, who was a comic in New Hampshire who, uh, who went on to uh, do a Mitt Romney. Uh, he looked like Mitt Romney and he played Mitt Romney in a commercial for Rick Santorum during the primaries of, uh, I can't remember what, what year it was it must have been like 2008 or something like that where he was he was getting shot at by 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 he, he was shooting people with a, like an ak-47 it was a really weird commercial but anyways this guy recommended me to a modeling agency and i started to do modeling and commercials mm. and so like early on like the first commercial audition i went to was a uh was to be the life of the party. I was supposed to be photocopying my ass on the photocopier. It was it was it was a company called Conway Office Products. And I literally went in and nailed the audition. So the first commercial I ever auditioned for, I got, and then kind of had a really good streak of like billboards and newspapers and things like that. Uh, and then you know I I, I kind of you know moved around the comedy scene and and uh, and then uh, later on in my career I started to do some booking and. Uh, and that's when I stumbled upon mill number five uh, in Lowell. Um, and uh, there's this theater called the Luna Theater at the end of mill number five, which is this, you know, it's uh, for the uninitiated, if you don't know anything about Lowell and, and, and uh, New England, New England had some of the largest mill complexes from the 1800s. Huge, huge, massive mill, brick mill complexes. And of or course, buildings. 
yeah they're they're gorgeous buildings and then you know when when the whole you know industrial uh, revolution moved on from new england and you know as the term is going south a lot of that industry went to the south you had all of these old buildings that were sitting around manchester had them providence all, all these all these places had these really big complexes and it wasn't for years and years and years until they started like oh man these are gorgeous buildings that'll last a thousand years we can just retrofit them into you know additional or new uh, uh, industry or or housing or in, in the case of mill number five this cool pedestrian mall on the fourth floor with uh, you know coffee houses and apothecaries and photo studios and yoga studios and at the very end is this gorgeous mill number five and it's uh, it's like a 90 seat theater uh, the luna theater um uh, 90 seat theater and they kind of do a lot of uh, they do some first run movies they do a lot of uh you know old uh, classic movies comedy horror this you know this this month of course they'll be you know loaded up with all horror and all that uh and then i pitched them to do comedy on a monday night and so one month uh a night pre uh covid pandemic i was doing a mondo monday comedy uh at 7 30 and it was you know a short show like an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes and of course it was a monday night so every comic was available so you'd be able to you know, you know I, I pitched him on a door deal and so i'd be able to get comics for you know a premium because it's a monday night nobody gets paid work on a monday night so you do a short set on a monday night and uh, it was just great for i think three or four years and then the pandemic uh was that giant sucking sound that uh Donner, bummer blew it all up but you're <laughs> but but you're bringing that back starting this month yes i'm bringing it back at the end of the month starting uh the end of the month i believe it's the last thursday of the month uh, i don't have my book open right now but i, I, I think it's the 30th either uh 20 28th okay, all right. yeah so, so this podcast will drop on the 18th so oh, okay. so so yeah so that and we'll talk about it the next podcast. that's fantastic that's great i'm, I'm you know the fun thing about new england is a lot of the a lot of the comic comedy stores are gone there used to be a lot in boston but there's a lot of comedy nights you know my right. my sister you know is a coordinator with girl scouts and there's always a fundraiser somewhere in the new england area you know right. on a thursday or a friday or a saturday and you'll see two or three just i i mean as good as you're going to see on netflix like comics out yeah. there you know at at these nights you know it's you know i don't know if the rest of the country has things like knights of columbus and elks lodges still around and stuff or you know uh water buffalo lodges somewhere <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah no you you'll see flyers all around and you know pre-pandemic you know you could you can catch like great local shows so yeah it's great that Mondo Monday is coming. Do you find, so here's an interesting question, taking a step back. When you've gone yeah. from, I'm a comedian, I'm trying to get booked, I'm trying to get stage time to, I'm a comedian, I'm also going to host shows and I'm going to book comics. Did you, did you find out that, oh, comics suck to deal with sometimes or was it fine? Because I mean, <laughs> it, it, like being in a band trying to get, you know, gigs in like the late, the, the early 90s and stuff like that well you know it was always a laborious task and then when i started booking bands i'm like oh this is why bookers are such dicks to us because we're assholes sure. and we show yeah. up late and we yeah. you know we cause problems excuses. yeah right. oh, i thought it was a tuesday night uh uh yeah and uh, you know and and the crowd didn't like me opening with the you know mother Teresa's getting an abortion joke i mean what's <laughs> wrong with these people <laughs> yeah right um yeah so the, the well, you the know, thing about, you know, we, we can't imagine Mother Teresa having sex. 
That's what's well, well, Greg, 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 how do you get Mother Teresa pregnant? <laughs> Dress her like an altar boy. Uh, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all week. <laughs> there was a comic, he used to have a great Mother Teresa, but he didn't know he was on his way up to Northern Maine, I think Caribou. And <laughs> on the road, this was you know, pre-internet days, right? Mother Teresa died. And so oh. he's, going, he's oh. going into this whole Mother Teresa bit. Too soon, uh, and, too soon, yeah. And 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 and, and the crowd, and it, usually, and it was usually like a killer bit, and of course it's flatlining. It's like, what's going on? He's like, Mother Teresa died tonight. Oh, so want to get away? So you 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 uh, being at a Monday night, I was able to book most of my friends and things like that. So people that I knew were reliable, and people that were were you know would come and do a good job. And be happy to do, uh, you know, like I said, a short paid show on a, on a. Um, Did you ever have to fill in though for a flake? Like, say, oh my God, this, I need somebody in this slot. I guess I'm going to have to just step in. You ever well, have to do I mean, that? I would always host the show. Oh, so okay. That, yeah. yeah. So, so if there was ever any, like somebody didn't show up and I don't know, I think everybody showed up that I booked. Okay, so yeah. I never had to like, oh, I've got to go do an extra 10 minutes or something like that. And yeah. a lot of times. Like if something like that happens, I'd either like I would do extra time or you right. know, the headliner. I says if you want to go long, you know, feel free. A lot of times I'm telling you know do 25 minutes, but if you're having fun, you know, do 35. And you know most comics are, are total horse, so they will do the extra <laughs> time, right? As long as the crowd's good, right? Well, and because you know, it's a Monday, because it's a Monday night and not at a traditional comic venue, do you do, do comics also see this as hey, you know, I'm I'm kind of working out a bit. Hey, this might be rough. Or are they yes. are they coming with their A list stuff? And 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 I don't mean this in a derogatory way. Are they coming with their A list stuff? Or are they come and say, like, "Hey, this is a Monday night at an offbeat place. I'm, I'm kind of working because there's one thing to rehearse it in your living room in front of the cats, and it's another thing to get audience feedback." Well, I would like like if somebody wanted to come and work out something, I would do that. So there was a ton of comics that would come and do guest spots. You know, like uh, I don't know if you know Justin McKinney, but Justin McKinney would you know, sometimes come by and do like a guest spot because he's working on something. And, you know, somebody like that wants to do a little bit of stage time in your room. Why wouldn't you give it to him, you know? Right. And and tell me a little bit about the crowds over there that you've gotten in the past and that we're hoping, you know, will be coming back post-pandemic. I mean, you know, Lowell's a pretty diverse American city. You know, it was literally, like I said, one of those, you know, crushed out mill towns that has, you know, uh, you know, it's still got, uh, you know, Know, a, a, a percentage of rough clientele. I think it's literally like a mission, you know, right around the corner, you know, and, and people who are on, you know, tough times in their lives and all that, you know, not exactly the most uplifting stuff in the world. And I'm not a guy that spends a lot of time busting the chops of people who's, who, people's whose lives aren't in great shape, you know. Um, but it's also, you know, it's got, it's got uh, UMass Lowell and it's got a ton of industry and it's got a pretty diverse ethnic uh, uh, core. And so you have a nice variety of restaurants and things like that and so it's kind of a it's kind of a fun place and it's always you know to me it's always kind of a fun crowd you know that that's always you know i'm the regular guy so they like me you know in theory right um they come to my shows and they laugh and and all that and so i i get to do a little bit of workout and i kind of get to you know like hey it's me you know uh you know i'm not necessarily going to do all the same jokes that you've heard before i'm gonna you know I'm going to bounce, you know, my, my new Halloween bits off you because that's, 
you know, uh, uh, different than, than, than my, my standard set. And, and let's, uh, you know, let's mix it up here and let's have a little bit of fun. And they're always, it's just almost always a fun crowd, even when it's, you know, sometimes it would be 25 to 30 people. Other times it'd be 60, 70, 80. And just a fun, cool, great workout room and, a, and, a, and an awesome, like an awesome Monday night. You know, it's just, that's literally, it's, a, it's such a bonus to have a paid Monday night gig. But and, but the new shows are going to be on Thursday. Is Mondo Mondo Monday? Uh, or is it now <laughs> Mondo Thursday? Yeah, I think it's just going to be Mondo comedy at okay. the at, at the Lunar Theater. And so yeah, so it'll be Thursday. So I think it'll, it'll be a little bit higher of a cover, and probably and, and because of that, I'll, I'll, we'll make the show a little bit more of a standard length show, probably an hour and twenty, an hour and thirty minutes. Um, and uh and yeah i'm hoping to bring in you know a lot of the same performers that i had before and then some new folks you know there's some some new comics that are you know basically headliners now that that weren't a couple of years ago and so yeah so so it's always fun to bring in people and watch them uh light up a room yeah and that, that that's fantastic and is it all ages shows are the 18 plus 21 plus yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, I, I don't think there's any, any age restriction. You know, some people have brought their kids in. You always find like, there's somebody like, hey, this is my, you know, son, Johnny, and he's 15 or whatever, 12. But we let him listen to whatever, you know, Dave Chappelle or, or you know, Lisa Lampanelli, and he loves comedy. And so don't, you know, don't change your act because I brought this whatever 12-year-old. Uh, and then the only thing that happens occasionally is that the people sitting around this, this you know, whatever, young kid, will get a little bit, you know, dicey about it. And you, you know, you, you like bust the kids' balls or, or something like that. You, <laughs> you kind of bring them into the show. Like, yeah, his father brought him here. What kind of a sociopath is this guy? And so you, you kind of bring him into the show a little bit. And then, and then people are like, oh, okay, it's, it's not, you know, it's not ambush. It's not like what I was watching. Uh, it was a movie. Uh, I can't remember. It was one of the Argento zombie horror movies from like the 1980s, and 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 like the opening scene is like these intestines coming out of the zombie's mouth, and somebody walks like you know like a seven year old kid down the aisle, and I just remember like everybody like started jeering, get that kid out of here, and literally the person stopped, turned around, and ran, ran out with <laughs> the kid. I'm like, oh, that was was positive, you know, positive social. Uh, 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 peer pressure got right. that person to take their kid from being traumatized with this you know god awful zombie you know intestine puking movie you know it's funny because uh it so when, when john mulaney came to town and my wife saw him like three times the last time she saw him maybe maybe 10 spots away there was a kid 12 13 13 14 and john yeah. mulaney got to one part of his show and he's like okay so I'm going to go in and he start talking to the kid and mom and dad. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this bit. It's going to be a little dicey, but it's a cautionary tale of what not to do. I'm not going to make a joke out of it. We're going to laugh about it, but it's also, and, and he, he took a moment. to. But then again, I mean, he's not really working blue. He was talking about like, you know, you know, a couple of things that, you know, going through rehab. So when Greg and I talked the other day, I'll, I'll be honest, there was one of these things where, oh, I don't know him. And, uh, you know, but this topic came up about and, and the modern and the cancel culture. And it was really nice. And I'm trying to think what sparked it, Greg. But when you, you made a comment that I've repeated back, it's like, yeah, if you're out there today, you know, 
going up doing a routine that would kill at a 1972 bachelor party <laughs> you know right. so i said to this broad you know what i mean it's like so and, no and, dice clay no you know <laughs> and, and and we and we had we you know so so I love I love you you know for a working comic to k- kind of talk about like how it's different doing comedy in 2021 versus 2010 2015. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, I think there's a lot of whining, and, and a lot of the whining has come from people that are like, "Oh my God, I can't do what I used to do," and I'm like, you know, uh, uh, first of all, in the world of comedy that I was in, there was always like you'd always have these gigs where, well, they want you to work clean tonight. It's 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 the Knights of Columbus. Please don't do your a noisy Jesus getting nailed on the cross bit because it's a bunch of Catholics and they will probably not laugh and, you know, or you're doing a Jewish temple. So maybe not do a, a joke that is going to, is going to offend a temple crowd. And that's just, that was always a go to corporate show. And so, and they don't want you to, talking about drugs. So, so all along from the very beginning, there were always these restrictions on, you know, shows that you're at it. And it was like, you know, usually if you did some kind of a private show or corporate show, there was these things where, yeah, they, they don't want you to talk about the, the, the CEO's, you know, wife's tits. Uh, and they don't want you to, uh, you know, to talk about uh, the, the competitive company and they don't want you to, and, and that's, you know, some people can like say, oh, they don't want me to do this. I'll do it and then get away with it. But a lot of other people are like, okay, I, I guess I'll avoid that minefield and do just do my material and drop the fuck. <laughs> right. And so, so that so many people have like somehow today, comedy today, you can't do the, the, the you know, jokes or everybody's so uptight. I'm like, you know, for me, the only, the only time I had people walk out of a crowd, I was in a coffee house probably five years ago. And one of the guys was making a joke about Jesus masturbating and for, you know, Christian people who were upset about that joke got up and walked out and said, that's not comedy. And so, you know, so it doesn't, you know, it, it, it's it, the, the whole kind of either cancel culture or political correctness tends to come from a, 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 a particular political spectrum. And, and, and a lot of it, I just think is, is hypersensitivity about, you know, oh, uh, you know, Oh, this this college crowd, you know that that you know whatever. Say twenty percent of the uh, kids are from another country. They don't want to hear me doing my my shitty xenophobic Archie Bunker material. Oh, boo hoo, boo hoo. Work on it. Find, yeah. find. You know, maybe you're too old to do a college now. You, you know, know I, I found a lot of that. It, you know, it's it's people usually don't have problems with routines where you're punching up. You know, those right. aren't those aren't the, yeah. those aren't the routines that people are, you know, it's yeah. the punching down. It's like, well, you know what? I used to be able to make fun of, you know, foreigners transitioning to a new country. Why can't I still do that? <laughs> it's so fresh. <laughs> you know, right, right. And like and, and I forget what joke we were talking about. But when you're like, yeah, I, if that flies at a 1972 bachelor party, you might want to rethink. <laughs> right. and, and that's the thing is that is that just things change and. You know, like I, I always wondered, at, you know, was there was there a point where the minstrel guys said, "Oh my God, I can't believe everybody's getting so tight about a minstrel show." <laughs> right. You know, I mean, we used to do it all the time. We've been doing it for years, and now nobody wants a minstrel act. Well, and and like, the bigger comics and that's, have to and do that's, that, right? I mean, it, hasn't it always been a thing where, like, I mean, you know, George Carlin, whose material is well known, but you know he you know he had his tonight show material right i mean it is something sure. that probably comics it seems like 
somewhere along the line, you know, you, you want some degree of that flexibility, right? Yeah, he didn't go on Johnny Carson and, and use the word cocksucker. Right, right. <laughs> right, you know, and yeah. so and so that there's always been these these kind of you know areas and places where you would where you would cater your material to the environment you're in. And like I said, if you're if you're somebody that's a college act and you're gonna do things that's gonna just piss off college students as opposed to make them laugh, then you know, maybe that part of your career is over and now you can go on to doing, you know, the, the, the Knights of the Columbuses and the, and the, and the Kiwanis gigs and, and, and all that. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, that's just change. That's just, that's, that's life moving on. You know, I'm not a big college guy because I'm a 55 year old dude. And yeah, I just I like mean, a lot of college kids, you know, unless you've got a really good pitch, you know, they'd much rather see somebody in their co in their cohort. And that's, that's the way it is. Interesting. So yeah. you got into comedy a little late. You said 27, 28. What, yeah. who, who, what made you get up? Like, who were you watching where you're like, I can do that. I can do that. Well, so, I mean, so I grew up, I was born in 65, right? So whether 20 years after World War II ended and then kind of like at the beginning of like in the middle of kind of the 60s cultural movement and all that. So kind of like, like I was a kid of like Sesame Street, the first episode of Sesame Street all the reruns of all the classic TV shows, the Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello. So I was really, you had all this great, you know, and then when I'm, you know, I'm like five or six years old, the whole family would watch All the Family and then Bob Newhart and then uh, Sanford and Son and the Carol Burnett Show. The Carol Burnett Show was probably the show that was like, oh my God, look at how magic this is to get in front of a crowd and perform and make them laugh. And so my, you know, like, you know, Red Fox and Sanford and Son, Archie Bunker, all the family uh, laughing, and then Carol Burnett. And I was just like, oh, God, that's great stuff. And then, you know, a few years later, Carlin and Pryor and, and Steve Martin was like the guy that turned comedy into rock and roll. I remember sitting around, my, fa my family had just moved out to uh, Milford from Nashua. And Steve Martin's, I think it was 1977, so I'm about 12, and his album his big first album dropped and i remember there was probably 15 you know my mom my dad brothers and sisters family friends put on the album and we all sat and listened to both sides of the album you know and you know i'm 12 years old so when steve martin said that cat was the best fuck i ever had and i'm here with you know family and friends it was so funny it was so <laughs> crazy and so magic and so wonderful he was so you know he just was was such a good entertainer and a good performer and watching how he did that was you know it was it was like a maestro how he and he became the get ready sold at the hollywood bowl for one of his shows that that was like oh my gosh this is quite the life you know um and so so those were kind of all the the foundational performers the you know carl and i saw live once um uh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, of course, into the eighties and all that, and Saturday Night Live. So I had, I just was just really, really steeped in all this kind of entertainment. I was the youngest of six kids, so I was the family mascot, anyways. Until people, you know, I was a, you know, you know, kind of like a, you know, charming young guy. It was, it was funny. It was funny. You, you, you become like the family mascot when you're, when you're, when you're the youngest of six, and you get, <laughs> you meet all your brothers and sisters, older friends, and you're able to. To converse with adults, uh, you know, and people older than you, and you become, you know, a, a performer, a dancing monkey. Uh, 
and 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 i just i like that shit <laughs> and when i finally had the chance to do it i had a buddy visit me i was working as a security officer at franklin pierce college and he's like my girlfriend broke up with me and i got a room open in my apartment in somerville and i want to uh you know fill it up with somebody and i thought of you so i'm like well if i don't start doing stand-up comedy um, i'm gonna regret not having tried so i moved to boston i think it was 94 somerville and started doing stand-up and you know by the middle of 95 i was you know getting paid gigs and working you know regularly working in you know, a weekly and then you know in the next few years started doing like i said doing commercials and you know uh, modeling and shit like that and landed a couple of decent decent sized commercials and you know so so it's 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 you know i'm a underachiever so you know I'm like a perpetual middler host and stuff like that i don't i don't i, I don't ever want to have the pressure of being a headliner it's just too much fucking work it's like an hour <laughs> it's like an hour you know what i mean and, that's and, a long so time yeah it's a long time and i just I, i'm i i like myself for 25 30 minutes tops <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so so over the pandemic what did you do to keep the funny going yeah, so you know, I did a couple. I did a couple of uh, you know, zoomy kind of a things and some interviews and things like that, uh, and uh, and then a bunch of outside shows. Though, so there was, you know, one of the agents had a bunch of like campgrounds. So you, you know, literally one one night it was this campground out by Hampton Beach, and everybody pulls up in their golf carts. And I said to the guy in the front row, just leave your lights on. Those will be the spotlights. And we just set up sound in this field, this grassy field with about 65, 70 golf carts. And it was fucking great. It was, you know, like, you know, nobody was, nobody was doing anything. And it was kind of like the whole freaky dystopia of the pandemic was kind of, you know, settling upon us. I'm like, oh my God, you know, is this going to be, you know, like the Omega Man or, or you know, uh, I Am Legend. Is, is, is it going to be that bad or we're going to have to start eating relatives, you know? And, <laughs> and then you started to do that, you know, a, a little bit of normalcy. And when you would do those kind of shows, you felt good and people were appreciative of it. And so you had, a, you know, I had a handful of those outside shows, and, you know, like I said, clubs, you know, uh, uh, resorts and things like that. And then, you know, and then people started to get vaccinated and you started to do some, you know, inside shows and, and it's kind of you know people are are happy to come and laugh and, and and you know remember what it was like you know prior to whatever the hell that that last year of the pandemic was when when do you um when do you think it gets back to like full rooms and full i mean are, are we there now do you anticipate like the 28th of, of being you know kind of back to normal or is it going to be baby stepping into it you know over like the next two three three four months yeah i mean i i think it i think it depends i mean new hampshire is is was pretty close to to getting back to normal there um and it's got a you know pretty highly vaccinated population and most of the venues, I think, are at full capacity. So, so it's it's you know it's semi-normal, but you still have to address, you know, you still have to talk about the whole thing. And so that's still it's still kind of weird. It's 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 definitely this thing that, you know, I, I was just I was looking back at the it's a Richard Matheson book, I Am Legend. There that that there were three different versions of it. the first one was was um, Vincent Price, like nineteen fifty four. And that was the 
Last Man on Earth. It was a creepy horror movie that I saw sometime in the you know late sixties, early seventies. And then there was uh, the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. And same thing. And it was this this creepy dude named Anthony Zerba was the bad guy. And it was this, and 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 then the, the uh, Will Smith one. And it was all predicated on a pandemic. I'm like, oh my god, this movie that I remember watching you know, in 1970 was about a pandemic wiping out everything. And you know, and I just remember like the, one of the first nights when it, when the, when like the shit started to really happen. I went to like the market basket, and there was some dude with like it's like like uh, what those red those red gloves you used to do dishes, and like a blast shield, and I'm like, oh man, this is actually happening. This this is like this is like a bad nightmare. This is this is you know, and, and you started like, oh my god, how creepy is it that I can you know touch some invisible stupid thing and rub my face and then you know, go meet my elderly parents and fucking, you know, kill them because I, you know, rub my nuts or whatever, you know? <laughs> and uh, do you, when you do these shows, do you get young comics looking for guidance and advice? And what's some advice other than, yeah, don't get started. Would you give young <laughs> comics who, who kind of want to give this a go? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but, you know, you know, talk about yourself and be, be, true to yourself and that's tough if you're you know a young person you're still just trying to find yourself so a lot of it's kind of you know you're just you know kind of you know swinging in the dark you know um but but you know part of part of me is like there's like a hippocratic oath there you know do no harm you know try not to try not to be a, a fucking horrible person you know and so and there's some comedy that's just kind of bent predicated on just being brutal to people and uh, you know I was never a big fan of that. And I, I just think that, you know, you can be edgy and you can be, you know, incisive and biting and stuff like that, but you don't need to be a dink. No, and, the same thing, the, the punching up versus punching down. Right. How yeah. long did it take you to find your stage voice? Like, like if, if it, when you first started get up there, like, you know, not just feeling comfortable, but actually like, you know, controlling the environment and kind of just being really comfortable in your own skin. Was that a natural yeah, I mean, transition uh, or, or, you know, yeah. the 10,000 hours thing? Yeah, it's kind of that. It's kind of, you know, a repetition thing where, you know, like the biggest thing is literally learning how to do bad and, and, and do it without losing your shit. You know what I mean? Like there are just times where it just is not going to work. And, and if you just become, you know, pissy about it and lash out at the crowd, you know, you're going to, you're rolling a grenade into a show and you're going to make it harder for the next person following you because you, you know, laid into everybody that, you know, that, that, that isn't digging you. And you just learn how to, to, to do bad and do it with a modicum of dignity and then get off the stage and hand it back to the next person. And that's like, like, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that part of the business is not doing good. That's how you learn. You're like, Oh shit. What did they do? And I'm, I remember like years ago, I was doing the, this gig with Dick Doherty up at, at a comedy zone in Burlington. And I just, as I was getting on the stage, some guy whispered something to me like shitty, some kind of a shitty heckle as I'm getting on the stage. And so my first, thing out of my mouth was to the guy fuck you and just like the first thing this crowd of I don't know, like 70 or 120 people are seeing <laughs> is me telling this dude to go fuck himself <laughs> and it was it was just like you know it was like you know taking a yeah. torch to the room they didn't like me They're like who was this guy you know uh, you know just just starting out the show like that and so so that's the kind of thing you learn how to to 
you know, what to not deal with. I know, I know there was, there was, I can't remember. There was a story about it. Somebody who had a throwaway line, like, geez, your people are acting like I, I just killed your favorite teacher and literally their favorite teacher. Had uh, it was like a school thing, you know? And so there's things that you can say. I yep. remember, I can't remember the name. It was one of those fraternal groups, but they have like a, a kid in a, like a, I don't know, like a statue or something. I'm like, Hey, who's the kid? And like, and like everybody shut up. Oh, we don't talk about the statue. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Nobody told me that. <laughs> are there any, are there any statues over at the lunar theater at mill number five? You got, you got to give people a heads up about. I think you should. No. I think you should put a statue there, and then and then just say, "Yeah, we don't talk." People ask, "Yeah, we don't talk about the statue." Don't talk about the statue. <laughs> uh, and how excited are you to be getting back up and in front of live audiences? I like it, but it's still. It's like I still haven't quite. I don't know. I, I still haven't quite shifted gears, so I'm still. It's like I've got molasses in my system, and it's and it doesn't seem like it's really happening, and it's so it's kind of. I'm kind of moving in slow motion, trying to get it all back again, you know, but when I get in front of a crowd, I really have a good time, but, I'm, but, but it, it, it still doesn't quite seem real. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's not quite. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's like one of those things that, you know, yeah, I always equate it to sports because I'm a, you know, Neanderthal and that's all, but it's like, sometimes the game isn't real until you get that first hit. You know what I mean? You, you right. get, you get checked and that's like, and the same thing, it's not going to be real until, okay, it's real. You know what I mean? It's not real until it is. But, right. but you know, and you also make another good point where you, you know, talk about like, cause you talked earlier about that outdoor gig and, yep. you know, obviously performing is performing maybe, you know, and I'm not a performance. I don't know, but certainly, you know, it's, this is not how it normally looks. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I like, I, I just went to a concert that where the previous time I saw the band, the place was jam packed, but the, you know, the venue willfully reduced the capacity of the show. So it's like, Hey, I'm in the pit, but it doesn't feel like a pit, you know? And so, right. yeah. So I'm sure that, and I don't know if that's that, how that translates to what you do, but certainly it's not hundred percent back to, you know, 2019. Right. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely not. It definitely has still, you know, there's, like I said, you know, I mean, there's still the risk of this thing that, that can, that can really lay people out. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I, I believe it's an actual thing and I, you know, had a relative who died from it and a nephew that got, mm. you know, he's like 21 years old and he was like sick for months and months and months. Mm. And, and it's, and so it's, it's, to me, it's a real thing because I've actually seen right. the negative consequences yeah. of it um, personally. And so, so it's something that I, you know, I, I, I can't remember who to say who made the phrase, but do not seek death where death for death will find you. And, and, and part of that just seems like there's a lot of people like, eh, you know, I don't think I'm going to get it. So I'm not going to take, take the precautions. And that's, you know, that's like not wearing your seatbelt or driving real fast or, you know, right. You know, no, chain smoking a carton a day, man. Yeah, it may not happen to you, but but it also may. <laughs> you know, when I went to Patton Oswald, I mean, I felt okay that, you know, it's indoor Massachusetts and you have to wear a mask and that you had to show proof of vaccination. Now, sure, there might have been people with fake vaccination cards, but then I also did the, the math and I'm like, yeah, people who tend to pay money to go see Patton Oswald probably are on the same side of the fence as me. You know, right. they're like, they're not home doing, quote unquote, their own research on this. They're, they're like, yes, my own research. You know, um, no. So, oh, so it, did, it you is, the, did, did you see the woman who she got one of those, like the forged cards 
and misspelled Moderna. <laughs> well, no, 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 she 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 didn't misspell the word Moderna. Yeah, she made these cards and she was selling cards with like the, the misspelling on it. It's like you know maybe maybe you should have done your own research on the spelling of this. Wow, uh, actually, that that you know like um, uh, NHL you know has a National Hockey League has a has this vaccine policy for their players, and one of the players allegedly is being investigated for you know fabricating uh, a fake vaccine card like he's oh, kind of, of like been in, in kind of a on this suspension so it's kind of everywhere you know but, it, it is just insane yeah. and the thing is is that i'm like an, you know whatever i'm a middle-aged dude now and so like if this whole concept of vaccinations is this, is this conspiracy well for me the conspiracy started in 1975 when i was five years old and i was in a gymnasium in nashua when richard nixon was president and i got you know the the person with the with and they used to have this fucking gun they would shoot you in the arm with that would that would drill holes and, and so you'd have the, you'd have i don't know if you ever seen anybody but they have the old you know it looks like it looks like the surface of the moon it took this big divot out of your arm yeah no I, it, 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 I don't i don't know you know because because biff's a couple of years older than me and where the age breaks down i was born in 69 so i have that my sister was born in 68 we have that on our upper upper arm lower shoulder yeah. but my brother yeah. you're talking the polio vaccination yeah and my brother yeah. who was in 72 it was a liquid form by then so ah. I, I think it's i think it's 70 or 71 yeah you got that big pot mark you know on, on sure. the uh greg how how can people where on the socials can people follow you so i'm uh, on twitter uh at bogus news b-o-g-g-i-s bogus news um that I just I, I kind of just spend a lot of time uh, busting political chops. Uh, uh, I think uh, my Instagram is also bogus news, B O G G I S news, and that's that's a little bit more more comedy promotion, and then like artsy fartsy stuff. I like taking pictures and things like that, uh, and so that's that. And then I, I think uh, uh, I think that's it. I'm trying to think of any, any other. Are you on clear. Facebook? I am on Facebook, yeah, but I think I think I might actually finally push the plunger on that. We, we, we <laughs> like like the Thursday show coming up October twenty eighth. Where where do you get information on that? So that will be uh, probably on the website at the Luna Theater. So I think it's Luna Lowell, L U N A Luna Lowell dot com, uh, and then I will I will post. Uh, well, probably within a week, the the line the, the roster and the lineup of the of the performers on that show. Mm-hmm. That that is fantastic, Greg. I cannot yeah. say thank you enough. Um, hopefully, you will come back on, you know, and, and let us know how the shows go. Um, yeah, and you know, I will probably, you know, I don't think Biff is going to be able to make make the twenty eighth. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a tough one, but you know, if I have enough advanced warning, you never know. I guess. But, but but yeah. I will definitely be coming out on the 28th for sure. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I don't like to leave the house, but it's kind of hard not to go to your buddy's show when it's right down the fucking street. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't make it this thing with this it, stuff happening. It's a gorgeous building. Yeah, it's a gorgeous yeah. Building. yeah, I mean, you had me, you know, we drove by there when I visited, um, when I visited Jock, you know, whatever on the drive, he kind of, yeah, you know, kind of drove, we drove by and he kind of told me about the place. So yeah, it just seems like a really cool joint. It's a very, very cool yeah. place. Like I said, the apothecary and the, yeah. you call coffee cotton. It's a coffee house. And they make great grilled cheese sandwiches. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just a very, very cool area. And it's cool. Like I said, it's just great to see all that history repurposed into, into, into something new. 
and, and it's all usable as artist lofts and, and uh, i think the, the ground floor is like a charter school so it's a, it's just mm-hmm. it's just a really yeah. cool multi-use place and, yeah and, and it's, it's and it's and it's gr- it's growing the guy over there just you know has a new room up on the the fifth floor that i was at the other day and it's absolutely gorgeous and really you know, yeah, it's it's great. But I am. I'm excited to come to the Lunar on the 28th. Um, you know, we will talk about this, you know, on the next couple of shows before then. But, Greg, I can't say thank you enough. And, and our conversation sure. the other day, it was just great, you know, talking because it's always a roll of the dice. OK, here's a middle aged white guy from New Hampshire. This could go, <laughs> you, know, this, this, you know, I'm either going to have a new comedy buddy. Or I'm gonna have a one and done conversation with this guy, and, and, and it, it, it was great that you're not home doing your own research. I'll just leave it like that. Uh, I like to I like to pack my own shotgun shells. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you man. so much. Yep. All right, I appreciate having me on. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope to talk to you soon. All right. Wow, why that was.